Blog Talk Radio. You are now listening to the Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers. Um, 
You can check us out at www.blogtalkradio.com slash UCOFW. Um, you can listen, listen to us live that way, or you can call in at 646-915-8200. Um, if you want to get on um, Blog Talk Radio and look us up at Blog Talk Radio slash UCOFW, do that. We're going to have the, um, this free to, if you want to uh, join for free, and then, you know, so you can get in and chat. With us live And I'm still thinking about doing the instant messenger thing Yeah, but I'll let you guys know on that Um, Michael Snyder's page Is sunrisehumanity.com He's going to be in here A little later to tell you about his page And also check us out On YouTube at YouTube.com slash UCOFW You know, it makes everything easy Um, um, You may ask What UCOFW Stands for It's called it stands for the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, and this show that you're listening to is um, the Urban Wires. It's, it's um, a piece of the whole uh, Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers. We're a media group, urban media group, that we're going to be coming up um, with soon. Um, we're going to have an official website. I don't know when the date, when that's going to be released, but we're going to, we're, that's in the works right now. And in the future, we're going to try to get some um, correspondence from different places in the country, so we can you'll get a perspective not just from the Midwest, but like from coast to coast. So we got a lot of good things that's coming up soon. We're going to talk about that later. Um, just want to get everything out the out in the open because you know we haven't been on in about three weeks. So you know I know some of you guys been wondering where we where we've been. I said we you know we're still here, but um, I've learned a lot in the past month. And you just you really have to be careful who you allow in your circle, and you really have to be careful uh, who you open up to. You can't trust everybody, and people will flip the script on you out of nowhere. So you know I just I've learned a lot, but you know Miss um, DeAndre she's gonna be here being here in a minute. Uh, Michael Snyder he'll be in here after eleven. So we're just gonna jump to a couple of songs. We when we get back uh, from our mega mix, um, which is probably going to be a quarter till or probably at eleven o'clock, we'll be back. We're going to jump into all the stories that we have for you tonight, and um, yeah, so keep it locked. Once again, the number to call in is six four six nine one five eighty two hundred, and. Um, we're going to start the little mega mix off with some Nicki Minaj, and from there, I don't know. I'm just going to mix it up how, you know, I see fit. So uh, we'll start it off with some Nicki Minaj, and we'll be back here in a little bit. For the boys with the booming system Top town AC with the cooling system When he come up in the club, he be blazing up Got stacks on deck like he's saving up And he ill, he real, he might got a deal He pop bottles and he got the right kind of bill He cold, he dope, he might sell coke He always in the air, but he never fly coke He a motherfucking drip, drip, killer or the trip, trip When he make a drip, drip, kiss him on a lip, lip That's the kind of dude I was looking for And yes, you'll get slapped if you're looking hoe I said, excuse me, you're a hell of a guy I mean, my, 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 you're like pelican fly I mean, you're so shy and I'm loving your tie You're like slicker than the guy with a thing on his eye Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Somebody please tell him who the F I is. I am Nicki Minaj. I'm acting dudes up. That coops up. And trust the dudes up. 
niggas in the mall go. He can ball with the crew, he can sell loud. But I think I like him better when he doll out. And I think I like him better with the fitted cap on. He ain't even gotta try to put the Mac on. He just gotta give me that look. When he give me that look, then the pennies coming out. Oh, oh, uh, excuse me, you're a hell of a guy. You know I really got a thing for American guys. I mean, sigh, sickening eyes. I can tell that you're in touch with your feminine side. Oh, uh, yes I did, yes I did. Somebody please tell him who the F I is. I am Nicki Minaj, I'm Mac and Dooja. That coops up and chuck the Dooja. Wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, yeah. Wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, yeah. Wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wobble, yeah. Wobble, baby, wobble, baby, wob
mouth too slick. Baby, why you doing me like I ain't worth it? Make me want to ride past your house and sit. Kick down your doors and smack your chick. Just to show you Monica not having it. So in love with you like a drug habit, yeah. You treat me so
Situated. Uh, we're going to go up to a, one or two more songs and we're just going to jump right into things. Michael should be here any minute. I don't know where the Andre is, but uh, we're going to go jump to a couple more songs and uh, we will be back here momentarily. Keep it locked at um, the Urban Wire, www.blogtalkradio.com slash UCOSW, or you can call in at 6 6- Four six nine one five eighty two hundred. We're gonna talk about a lot of stuff tonight. So if you want to join us in chat, just call us live, or just you can listen to us at the link. Um, join us on our Facebook page. We put in the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, and you should be able to find us. So make sure you join our Facebook page. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, we will be back momentarily. You are now listening to the Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we 
charge of the girl. Touchdown and the layup Got you on Viagra in order for you to stay up I may sound better I'm a little bitter Just 
just a little bitter Because you were with her I'm Salt Lake City Now I'm up on the picture Remember how it was when I was with you Baby, sex so are back to the Urban Wire, and we are ready to start our show. We're going to go to the lines. I believe this is uh, Michael Snyder. Is this Michael? Yes. All right. Welcome back. You know, it's been a while since we've done a show. It's been probably about two or three weeks. So, hey, we, we're back in motion, and, you know, and um, so what's been going on with you these past couple weeks? Uh, well, turning another year older, and aside from that, not a oh, lot. Oh, yes. You did. You have had a birthday since the show. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, you know how it is. You know, a year older and a year over the, you know, well, I would say a year over the rainbow, but. Well, I don't know if it's all been sprinkling <laughs> Skittles and glitter, but it ain't been always a pretty sight. <laughs> Yeah, hey, you know, it's a, it's a blessing to be a year older, you know. Yeah, hey. well, with age comes wisdom, so, hey, I'll take all the help I can get. Right. So did you do anything special or? Uh, No, not really. I, I figure it's not much of a milestone or anything, so I just uh, had a little event to go to and visited some old friends over there and then pretty much came home. Oh, okay. Well, you know, at least you got out for a little bit, you know. Uh, you know, and 
So what what words of wisdom um, do you have for the younger people? I mean, well, you know, I'm you not saying got enough time on the show for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> we need to pack a sack lunch for this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, well, that's good, but we just want to wish you a happy birthday. And, you know, Thanks. I also have... Some of some of my really well, my some of my best friends and their birthdays were this month, like you and and another you know another good friend of mine, Joe, and then my mother's birthday was this month, and um, my brother's birthday actually his was on the seventeenth, my mother's was on the sixteenth, uh, and yours was yeah yours was on the eighteenth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yes, I had. Three birthdays, you know, three is a lucky number. So, you know, three birthdays back to back. And then uh, one of my good friends, Tom, his birthday was last week. So it's been a lot of Virgos this month, a lot of Virgo birthdays I've been celebrating and stuff like that. So, And speaking yeah. of just freaky number thing, like 16, 17, 18, I also know my two sisters are also born on the 18th of their month, too. Strange. Wow. Thing. Yeah. Wow. Weird. That's Yes, yeah, very weird. Very, I don't know if you know. Some people may not, you know, not super. I wouldn't call it superstition, but I, you know, just, I don't know. Who knows? Is it coincidence mm-hmm. or not? But I don't know. But yeah, we have a jam-packed show today. That's been a whole lot that's been going on. I kind of hate that we um, didn't get a chance to really celebrate nine eleven, but you know that anniversary has passed. And, um, like, you know, like I always say, you know, my prayers are out to the people that were involved with that um, directly and indirectly because a lot of people's families were were, uh, uh, were harmed by that. And there's a lot of people that are still dealing with the after um, some of the effects of, you know, 9-11, you know, whether it's health or, you know, just dealing with the loss of loved ones, you know, the loss of loved ones that were involved in a horrific um, act of terror. So, you know, like I said, we're still, um, our prayers are with those families, and our prayers are still with um, the the city of New York, you know. Um, You know, it was just a really horrific day in in, in history. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people tend to forget that, you know, um, there were other attacks too. On 9/11, we we tend to forget about the Pentagon and um, the the attack that happened at Fort Day. What was it that uh, Fort? Um, well, there was that Pennsylvania aircraft that went down as well, or that aircraft yeah. that went down in Pennsylvania. Yeah, camp camp. Um, I can't think of the name of it, but yeah, it, it, it was just a horrific day. It was it was a lot that. Um, um, that happened that day, and it pretty much kind of shaped. The uh, the entire future of this country and right. you know as far as the world too it kind of affected this world you know so I don't know uh, we have another caller online we're gonna go to uh, um, caller three one seven nine three seven are you just listening or do you have a comment just listening. So, well, yeah, we want to thank you for um, listening, and um, we're going to put you back in the hole, Q, but if you want to, um, we're, we're going to come back to you in a little bit. 
So we have a lot to talk about today. Uh, I'm just going to give you a brief overview um, of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the Troy Davis um, case where he was just executed, I think, a few hours ago. Um, He wasn't granted clemency, so they did execute him, I think, this evening. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. We're going to also talk about um, Google+, and we're going to talk about the the, the changes that were made on Facebook. Now, because, you know, there's a lot of people that are kind of, like, pissed off. Not even pissed off, but just annoyed about the changes that were made on Facebook, and it was just like, you know, it was like so unnecessary. So we're going to talk about that. Um, what else we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about, um, let's see, the poverty uh, statistics. I can't speak tonight. Statistics in the U.S. Um, the Census Bureau um, actually came out with new statistics. We're going to hit, hit those a little later. And also, uh, Pat Robertson is at it again. Oh, you know, I mean, I don't know if that surprises you or not, but we're going to talk about something controversial that he said on um, his show, the 700 Club. And let's see. Uh, yeah, and then we're going to get to our main topic, discussing uh, Parenting 101. We're going to talk about the education system. Who's at fault for children not succeeding? Is it the parents? Is it so? Um, from what I understand, you've been um, doing some research on um, the Facebook, like the updates on Facebook. So, what have you learned? And what, what, what? First of all, what's your opinion about these changes that have occurred within the last day or two on Facebook? Well. Initially, when I first, kind of like everybody, just crawled out of bed and turned my computer on and started checking through my morning ritual, I was pretty annoyed, well, severely annoyed, we'll say mildly pissed, to see the new changes and how much stuff I had to completely relearn my way through it. And my news feed was all messed up. My friends list were rejumbled around, and they had categorized everything. Then as I started to read up on this the last couple of days, I've learned a lot. And then I went from being mildly pissed to now super pissed. Ah. And if anybody else is paying attention to this and gives a damn about their privacy issues, I think they ought to be pissed also. Now, first things I found out was the reason that the news feeds are all messed up was because they're using an algorithm – For those of you who don't know what that is, it's a fancy mathematical equation that it picks up certain words and certain things and what they think by this algorithm that you'll be interested in. And that's what was redoing your news feeds. So it may be people that you don't really care to hear anything from or whatever people you really don't, you just got them on your page, but for whatever reason, you don't usually pay attention to what they're saying. If it's picking up on certain keywords, it'll put them in there. So, wow. okay, first of all, I didn't care for that too much because I still haven't got mine back in order, but that's okay. And then I'll get to the next part. 
as I was looking at it, I'm looking at the reasons for why this was done. And evidently there was some kind of a thing called an F8 conference. It's dealing with marketing stuff, and Mr. Mark Zuckerberg was there. And he's telling about basically what this means for business. Long and short of it all, this is so that companies and places that want to collect your data have an easier way of getting to it Mm -hmm. and an easier way to access what you put out there. So the whole scheme, basically they're not going to change it back for all the people that are ticked off unless people really in the – Numbers like hundreds of millions, because I think they said the last estimate was approximately 800 million users on Facebook. But mm-hmm. unless you get a couple hundred million people to start leaving it, they're not going to change it because they really don't care. Because Facebook right. is basically a big marketing thing for businesses, and if you're not the one that's paying them for info, they don't care. So the long and short of it is it's just done to make it easier for people to get to your info. They go through what you have liked. They go through what anything that you have public access to. They will access your likes, the things, the information you've got on your profile, your, for example, your age, your geographical location, things that you post up. If you put geocaching, any type of geo information that's on any pictures, They access this if you've got them set to public. That's why I can't preach enough people got to know what their privacy settings are. So it's a gigantic marketing scheme, and they don't care if it's really going to confuse you or not. Their main goal is how can they make more money and make it easier for the people that they're selling it to. After reading this, I become highly pissed, and... Personally, I took an interesting step tonight. I completely stripped my profile down. Mm. I have very little info in my profile at all. I took out my college. I took out my place of employment. I took out my likes, dislikes, all of it, stripped it out of there. And do you think at this point that Facebook is – um, with these changes that they just made, do you think that people are more vulnerable to um, have their privacy invaded? Absolutely, because there's even things that it's even now, and I had read this, easily, more easily accessible for them to go into things that you've done in the, like, far past that you so posts that you may have made long, like more than a couple years ago even, anything that you've got on there, it's making it more easily accessible to these places and these marketing firms. So, again – and, and I saw that earlier. I was watching a video. Um, I think it was on Associated Press, which we actually have a clip that we're going to get to here in a moment. But they were just talking about how um, – you mentioned something about how you can go back in, in your history and just pull up, like, all the different things that you've done and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, about, man, that is that is just Now, crazy. they're pushing it to the public, the users of it, as think of it as an online scrapbook, a timeline, a timeline of your life. 
that's great and wonderful, but if I want a scrapbook, give me some uh, papers and scissors and some glue, <laughs> and I'll just do it myself. And then again, you know, a lot of people, and you would be surprised how many people, especially the, I'm going to say, teenager up into 20s crowd, maybe even some people that consider themselves, consider themselves casual users or even some of the addicted users don't realize what they're posting out there in their privacy settings. They have no idea what they're putting out there. You know, would you want to walk up to a perfect stranger and tell them some of the most personal stuff that you posted on there? I, I don't think I would, but I personally don't post anything unless I'd have it on the 6 o'clock news. Right, right. Well, um, we're going to go to this clip, but before we go to the clip, um, I think DeAndre just joined us. So how are you doing this evening? I am doing great. Hey, the rain. Girl, you know, we haven't been on air for about two, about three weeks, honey. So, you know, it's just been a lot going on. So, what's been going on with you? Huh. Nothing much. Just these parents and sitting they, you know, they bad kids to school and, and putting it off on the teacher like it's a teacher fault that your child was bad. Girl, we gonna we gonna get to that topic later on because baby, I know you got a lot. You you gonna handle that topic later on because I know you had a lot to say about that. So we are gonna give the platform over to you later. But <laughs> what do you think about me? Mhm. Mhm. No, but I was just gonna ask you because we're gonna get to that topic later. But what do you think about Facebook privacy? What do you think? Before we go to this clip, what do you think about these changes on Facebook, and what do you think about Facebook privacy in general? What should people put on Facebook, and what shouldn't they put on in the first place? And what are some tips that you normally go by, like you know, as far as like adding people? What do you the things you post online, Me? things that mm-hmm. you shouldn't post online? Mm-hmm. I don't just add any random people. One, I have to tell you. Just because mm-hmm. somebody else knows you don't mean I know you. I'm not going to add you if I only spoke to you one time. I'm not adding you on my Facebook. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. And the second thing right. is I don't add a lot of things, details on Facebook. I just put what school I went to, and that's pretty much it. You know, what sex I am, you know, the year I was born. Right. I don't put a whole lot on Facebook. I don't. Because, I mean, I feel the people that know you should know all this stuff about you. And right. if you want them to know something, the close, the close people in your life, the people that you're closest to are going to know this stuff. And I think if anybody to put their whole little life story on Facebook, they start being on stupid. Because I would never. Online, sweetie? Really? No. Really? Yes. <laughs> well, we're going to go to this clip real quick, and we're going to come back. Um, and discuss this um, topic a little bit more, and then we're going to move on because we have a lot to discuss tonight. And we've got a, only got a little bit over an hour left to do it. If we have to run over, we will. But um, we're going to go to this clip really quick. We're going to come back, and we're going to discuss it some more. Well, if you are frustrated with Facebook tonight, you are not alone. Users continue to post all sorts of various pictures and statements on their profiles in protest of the updates. So what is new and what does it mean? Our online manager, Blake Sabatinelli, breaks it all down. Top stories and uh, most recent stories are something that you'll see categorized a little bit differently on the homepage now. You have your top stories that head up top. 
uh, it, it's really what Facebook determines as the most important thing that you're going to find right now. You'll also see as you're uh, on the site, you'll see new stories start to pop up, kind of like the, uh, the Twitter feature where you're seeing that you have, you know, 43 new tweets come in. You may have eight new status updates from your friends or new pictures or something like that. Uh, that can be pretty handy, especially when you're on the site, you're not having to continually refresh. There's also new tagging options for the, uh, for the stories. Uh, like you used to be able to do, you can hide stories, you can hide an entire group of stories from a, from a publisher, but you can also mark something as a top story, which is really nice. So if you see a news story that you, uh, you really think your friends are going to enjoy, you can mark it as a top story, and there's a higher likelihood that when your friends sign into Facebook, they're going to see that story. Subscriptions allow you to literally subscribe to someone's feeds, much like Twitter, and if someone puts that information out there in a, in a public manner, they'll be able to come in and look at it uh, and comment on it. Now, if you don't turn on subscriptions or subscribe to anyone, then your privacy has not changed. For more information on the big changes on Facebook, head over to our website at abcactionnews.com. All right, we're back. Um, once again, that was a clip from ABC News. Um, I have a comment. I mean, I have a couple of things that I want to point out about this whole entire thing, quick points, and then I'm going to get Michael's opinion, and we're going to move on to our next story. I really feel that these changes came, like, right at the point when Google Plus launched their new social network. Uh-huh. And I really feel, like me and, and me and Michael was discussing this the other day, I feel that this is going to be kind of detrimental to face, Facebook because you remember what happened with MySpace. They made all these unnecessary changes. People got turned off. And people started leaving MySpace because they didn't gradually implement these things. I understand that you want to keep up with your competition, but still at the same time, you know, Facebook has a good hold on, you know, in the market as far as social media is concerned. And I feel that them trying to, you know, they they have their unique style, and that's what people like about Facebook. But now you're trying to be like Google, and it's not going to work. You know, I, I really feel with all, you know, the complaining that I've seen online and, and, you know, comments and everything else pertaining to this issue, I think a lot of people are going to eventually uh, go to Google+. And I really think that I think Facebook really has done something that they shouldn't have done. That's just my opinion about it. But, you know, like I said, you know, I felt that, that, that this came right. These changes came right on the same day when Google Plus launched their new site. So I don't know. What do you feel about that, Michael? Well, I entirely agree with the aspect that, like you and I have discussed, that some of the – it's very similar to the Google Plus thing they're coming out with. And uh, mm-hmm. I think – I personally think, and I do not have a Google Plus account yet, but I will shortly because I've been doing a lot of reading, watching the tutorial videos that they have on there, and reading their privacy statements as well. And it's, yeah, because you didn't get like an invite, to, you know, to um, you know, get to kind of like experiment with the prototype, like you know, the website when they were having it, they had it in that phase. I did not get one of those invites, but now it is okay. open to everybody. Okay. So. And about the time that it went online with everybody, which was Monday or Tuesday, 
is when all mm-hmm. these changes landed with Facebook. So right. it just seems, you know, it's too coincidental. It seems like just a complete overt way to compete with something else. With the handle that Google has on so much of the marketplace and so much of the, like the Android system and other things, I think that they could eventually be a rather formidable opponent to Facebook, especially with the wow. way that everybody's getting pissed off with Facebook right now. Mm. Wow. Well, Google well, Plus, from what I have read on it, seems a lot simpler and a lot more user-friendly. And that's mm-hmm. one thing, even when the uh, you talked mentioned earlier, like you and me had talked about the old days of MySpace, at least when MySpace brought out a new format, they gave you the option to try it out. Right. And you, if you didn't like it, you could revert back to the old format. Mm-hmm. You know, that was a, a big plus there that, you know, people really liked. But mm-hmm. I, think, I think like anything else, Facebook's on top right now, but I think you give them enough time, they'll fall off their mark, just like any other thing has. Right. All right, I think that wraps it up for that topic. We're going to move right on along to a very, very controversial issue that's going on. Uh, we got so much to – I hope we can get to all this. If not, we're just going to have to do a Saturday show. But um, I don't know if you guys been following the Troy Davis case um, the other day. They, they they came out and said that they were not going to grant him clemency. Um, and I think today he was execu- actually executed. Like, you know, they wanted to execute him real quick, even though that they had evidence. And there were people that um, made state- statements saying, this is not the guy. And there's, like, DNA evidence and everything that does not tie him to this crime. Now, he was accused back in 1989 of killing a or shooting a police officer. And what's so tragic about it is, like, even Obama tried to step in and um, tried to do something about this situation, but he couldn't even do anything about it. So what we're going to do is go to a quick clip. Um, first of all, we're going to go to the first clip of dealing with the board denying him clemency, and then we're going to go to the actual details of his execution. So we're going to be back after this, and I'm going to get DeAndre's opinion, and uh, I'm going to give my opinion, and then we're going to jump to our next story. The Georgia Pardons Board rejects a last-ditch plea for clemency for Troy Davis, convicted of killing a police officer in 1989. The case has drawn high-profile support, with groups saying Davis is innocent, a victim of mistaken identity. We are deeply saddened and shocked this morning. We cannot believe that the Board of Pardons and Paroles is allowing a person to go to his death, despite the fact that serious doubts about his guilt remain unresolved. But after hearing hours of testimony, the board rejected clemency. This means Davis is set to die on Wednesday for the killing of off-duty Savannah police officer Mark McPhail, slain while rushing to help a homeless man being attacked. Earlier, his mother said it is time for justice. I think I finally will have peace of mind. I can only hope for it and, and think it will happen, that I think now it is over. I can close that book.
The decision appears to leave Davis little chance of avoiding an execution date. That has supporters of Davis angry. This is this is Jim Crow uh, 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 in a new era. Uh, there's just too much doubt uh, for this uh, execution to continue. The defense attorney said the pardons board was likely the last option for Davis. Lee Powell, the Associated Press. Okay, there was a part two that I wanted to play, and I can't seem to find that um, clip right now. But pretty much that is the gist of that case. Um, this man has pretty much been found innocent. But in, I guess according to them, that still doesn't matter, despite the evidence that was given. And, um, you know, and I, I really think that, you know, this case is taking place down south, you know, in Georgia. And, you know, we know what the history is down south in the United States. You know, um, this man is innocent. But, see, what kills me is you'll put this man to death, but, you know, you'd be so quick to, you know, try to execute him. But what happened to that boy that went down there, like in Arizona, and that shot up all those people and shot a congresswoman? You know what I'm saying? Like, all this, it's just like a double standard, you know? And it's just, it's a lot of hypocrisy, you know? I mean, here this man is, he's obviously innocent. And, you know, you still don't want to take this evidence. And I mean, this this is going to lead to a story that we're going to, that we're going to talk about uh, later about a man named uh, Richard Richard Perry, I think Rick Perry, which was uh, well, he he's an innocent man too, and um, the governor of Texas he didn't want to. Uh, present evidence. I don't. I think he's still alive, but uh, yeah, no, he's executed for a crime that he didn't commit. You know, I guess they said that he, you know, intentionally set a fire um, to, you know, at his house, which killed his wife and children. But evidence was shown that this didn't happen. But the governor refused to allow the evidence to be presented in the court. You know, you know, and. This guy ended up executed. So there's a lot of shady things that are going on down south. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a justice is not being served. So what do you feel about that situation, DeAndre? You know what? I know this is going to make a lot of people mad. But that was all racist. Why they killed that man? Because for you guys not to, not to, ex- I mean, not even you know, look into him being innocent, but just to rush him being killed—that's the money, right? That that I mean, that really, I mean, why is he even? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's I don't know. I just. I don't know. You that can't makes even me. Put work. That, yeah, that right. that really do upset me a whole lot. Seriously. Yeah. I don't know, but you know, it it was just a really sad and unfortunate uh, day in United States history because we executed someone that didn't deserve to die. And you know, 
it was just kind of funny that they were in a rush to execute him too. Exactly. Because we were talking about that earlier, DeAndre, and you made a good point about you think if they would have um, kept him alive, you think he would have gotten like a lot of money, like he would have gotten like a ridiculous amount of money from like. They talked about that on the radio. They said if if he was found innocent, they could have had to kill him because how if he would have sued the state of Georgia, he would have had so much money, and so that's why they rushed to kill him. But they still could be because. It's going to all come out in the end, regardless. If you don't want it to come out, it's going to come out. But see, what's so crazy is, you know, they're so, they're so like, you know, gung-ho on, like, executing this man, but you're not even looking at the aspect, like, justice is not really being served because the real killer is still out there. Right? He's still, he's still at large, as a matter of fact, because he's still the police officer. Right. I don't know, but this is a really unfortunate case. Um, so, Michael, what do you feel about this coming from a legal standpoint? I mean, what do you? I mean, yeah. what do you? It just, I can't. You know, I sit here and I think, are you serious? There are ways. You know, if they didn't want to cut the man loose, and I'm not saying you know, just wave the an ink pen and say, okay, you're free, go home. But right. postpone the execution long enough to hear the new evidence. Right. If the new right. evidence is still, you know, if the DNA results say, hey, this guy didn't do it, then cut the man loose. Or if it's not enough to say he didn't do it, then have a new trial on it and give the, you know, put it before another jury. You know, rather than hook, hooking him up to the lethal injection thing, you know, hear the new evidence out. Don't just brush it aside and say, Hurry up and kill him so we can be done with this. But I don't know. They'd like to say, well, that's the South for you. Yeah. I'm happy I'm Why people have this negative opinion of the South and they get people get offended that live down south? We're not all like this, but you know what? It's hard to believe that because all these stories that we hear about things of this nature, all this injustice, it it, it comes from the South, just like that. You know. All this crazy stuff that you thought that would that's happening would have happened back in the Jim Crow era is still happening. Just like like those them teen them teenagers about a month or two ago that killed that innocent black man. They just they just randomly picked a guy and just ran him over, beat him up, ran him over with their truck, and they just pretty much left him for dead. And you know the security camera. This happened in Jackson, Mississippi. Caught. The whole thing on tape. So well, people are saying about uh, racism doesn't exist still, and they're talking about how you know people want to play the race card and all this stuff. You know what? This stuff is real, and you have to be stupid and naive to believe that racism does not exist in this country still. Hmm. Yep, and so, I can even say this too from a. You know, on a judicial perspective and on a legal perspective, you know, it usually they count on whatever it is, and this is even a regardless of the race issue. It they think, okay, you know what? We want the case done and over with because if they can close the case out and say it's done and the sentence has been commuted and performed, then they can get it off their books. And they don't want to pay for the money to have a new trial. They're going to do it just about across the board. 
because they don't want to have to do all that. It costs them money. It's cheaper for them to execute somebody. Even at the risk of, you know, killing an innocent person, they kind of throw their hands up on a judicial perspective. Eh, he was found guilty by jury of his peers. Brian. Because they don't want to shell out a couple million for a new trial. Wow. That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. You can see well, a lot across the board. Even in Indiana. Well, we're going to keep following this story because I believe that there's going to be some new developments. Um, which is, this is not over with. So, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we're going to keep following this. Um, but I just wanted to bring this to the public and let them know that this injustice has occurred. I mean, it's, it's, it's occurred. It's not occurring, but it has occurred, and, like, this man has lost his life. So, you know, I guess it's just one of those things being at the wrong place at the wrong time, you yeah. know. And, I mean, my, my prayers go out to his family and even the victim's family. But, you know, it's it's just – there's no winners in this whole entire situation. It's really not. No, it's not because, because you... that's what's third. So that's it with that. Um, we're going to move on to the entire don't ask, don't tell policy being repealed. Um, this is a huge victory for those um, that are in the LGBT community, particularly those that are currently serving in the military and um this has just happened um was it repealed like yesterday or I believe the twentieth. The twentieth, okay, yeah. So this um is a victory that it that just occurred like within the past day or two. So um I mean a lot of people are really um excited about this. Now people that are in the military that are Gay or lesbian, they can serve openly, you know, and they don't have to hide who they are. And um, you know, we're gonna have an inspirational story too. Um, we've got a couple of clips that I'm gonna play really quick, kind of outlining the victory. And plus, we have a story about a young man that um, called his father and pretty much, you know, came out of the closet. He was in the military and he and he felt that um, he should. Uh, He was only 21 years old, and he called his father and told him, you know, you know, Dad, I'm gay. And what in in the response was just so, you know, touching because, you know, like I said, we we talk about the South a lot. You know, this young man was from Alabama, but his father actually accepted him for who he was, and that was a really good and touching thing. So we're gonna go to um, this clip and. After 18 years And um, the reactions of people From San Francisco And other places around the country The Pentagon is calling it A historic day For the nation and the military The day they began Letting gay troops serve openly We are a stronger joint force A more tolerant joint force A force of more character and more honor. And a force where troops no longer have to lie about who they are. No words can describe how it feels to stand up here and be able to say for the first time, my name is First Lieutenant Josh Seafried, and I am a gay First Lieutenant in the United States Air Force. 
At a bar in San Diego, they counted down to the exact moment. It was a tearjerker. It was. Because you just remember the struggle. The Pentagon says ending Don't Ask, Don't Tell after 18 years is just one step. I'm committed to removing all of the barriers that would prevent Americans from serving their country. The guidance for troops is simple. Gay service members will be treated like any others. By other gay and lesbian troops showing their faces, it, it proves the fact that there's not an issue. We weren't scared, and no, one, no one's going to go back and, and hurt us when we go back to our units. It's going to be business as usual. The military says there will be zero tolerance of any harassment. Sonder Magani, Associated Press, the Pentagon. All right, and we have one more clip. Um, uh, so this this clip is about a young gentleman that comes out to his father. Don't ask, don't tell. Forced around 14,000 people to leave the armed forces because they are gay. Now that it's been repealed, stories of service members coming out are spreading. And ABC's Martha Raddatz is here with the story of an airman who shared his life-changing moment with his dad and the whole world online. Online yeah. indeed, Robin. You know, you can just tell how difficult it is for this young airman who has lived with his secret for so long, but just hours after the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, he thought he was ready. He is just 21 years old, sitting alone in front of a camera at Ramstein Air Base. I could not sleep. It's uh, 2.45, and I'm uh, probably about as nervous as, as I can ever remember being. Um, I'm about to call my dad in Alabama. Getting to this moment... Even showing his face has taken months. He began the journey last April, posting anonymous YouTube videos while deployed near the Persian Gulf. He sought advice, support. I just want to share the journey and I'll share my struggles with you. With thousands of people now viewing his videos and the legal obstacles out of the way, Airman First Class Randy Phillips made the hardest call he has ever had to make. Hey, Daddy. But his fear uh, grows. YouTube support is one thing, but this was his father. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Will you love me, period? Yeah. And then, no more hesitation. Dad, I'm gay. Okay. You still love me? I still love you, son. Yes, I still love you. Be okay, Ted? That's okay. I relationship. You hear me? Yeah. That's okay, I relationship. Love my thoughts. I'm very proud of you. Okay? Yes, sir. I will always love you. Oh, my Lord. Randy told us this morning via Skype the whole family now knows and so do his fellow um, airmen. It, it feels great. It's it's nice not having to look over your shoulder or worry about who you're talking to. Um, I think everybody knows. And uh, I never thought I'd be so comfortable with it. But 
it's very supportive. Everybody's been absolutely great. We also spoke to his father. He was not exactly thrilled that Randy put this on YouTube, but said once again that he loves his son and always will. He didn't know, the dad didn't know that it was being taped like that? He did know. He did not know. Had but no the, idea. I know, but for Randy to hear his father say, I still love you, it doesn't change our relationship. You could see the way from off moment. Of yeah. Great story. It's good to have you here, Martha. Great to be Thanks here. For sharing. It was just beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. But All right, we're back, so... That was a very inspirational side of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. And, you know, a lot of people are criticizing him for putting that on YouTube, but it really gives us, or those who who aren't familiar with that that particular situation, we always hear about people coming out, but we don't really get to see the inside scoop or get to experience that conversation or see what that entails. So, you know, it was a very inspirational thing. I'm really glad that people can serve their country and be who they are and not have to worry about, you know, looking over their shoulders or being condemned or even, like, um, discharged because of their sexual orientation. So um, how do you feel about that, uh, Michael? I am very proud of the fact that this discriminatory law is finally done and over with. And I, I can see, I can side with this young airman's dad saying, yeah, I'm really not crazy with the fact that it's being put out there on YouTube or whatever. But on the same token, it is kind of bringing home the fact that people don't know what it's like to be out there in a have to live a double life and a double standard, and when you can finally get rid of that monkey on your back, there is a great deal of freedom to it. And a lot of, I think it brings home that aspect, and that's a, a great great part of it. And I'm glad to see somebody uh, put that out there in the public's eye. Mm -hmm. DeAndre, do you have anything to add? Okay, of course. I'm over here tearing up because I'm, like, so proud of him, you know. Mm-hmm. Actually, just coming out to his dad, you know how so many people dad doesn't accept them for who they are. So for his dad just to accept them, that kind of put me in little tears over here because I mean nothing didn't change. Mm -hmm. I mean, if the love was still there, right? You told him that you're gay. I mean, yeah. nothing changed. Everything still flowed the same. So mm. I am. And the thing about I'm, it is, it's like you. Like, you guys, I mean, it's one thing to hear, but if you actually see the video, it is just very touching, you know. And this this boy, I mean, I'm, you know, I just got to say, he, he was absolutely adorable, too. Like, you just have to see him. Like, it was just, it, I don't know, it, it was just sad. Like, you know, and I can just tell that he is just like a, you know, a genuinely, like, you know, a young guy, he, he you know, just just really just wanting to be who you know, who he is, you know, and I'm just really glad that his parents, like, supported him, uh -huh. and, uh, you know, his family's open to it, and, you know, everybody's, you know, not giving him a hard time for that, so, you know, um, yeah. And then, why would you, he's, he's, you know, he's fighting mm -hmm. <laughs> for your country, what do you mean? I mean, how are you going to be pissed at him? He's, he's taking on a lot, you know, he's putting his life on the line. For you. Mhm. Mm right. So that's that's a really good and um, that was a touching, inspirational story. 
And, you know, um, it's good that he has a good support base, you know, because a lot of people don't have that. It is good because, you know, if you don't have that support system, then you, you know, you fall, you you fall. I mean, you, you need to go do drugs because you're so stressed out because you don't have a support team. Mhm. Right. Right. And that's why I think that we see a lot of dysfunction within the gay community because a lot of people don't know how to cope with the pain. Yes. And they don't have anybody that they can, you know, they can reach out to. That's why, like you said, a lot of people fall into drugs. A lot of people fall into a lot of things that they shouldn't fall into because they they don't know how to cope with that. Commit suicide. You know, we, we talked about this before, Michael, about how. You know, a lot of people turn to alcohol because it makes you just numb to things yeah. eventually. Yep. Because if you drink enough, you'll be numb enough that you just won't care. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that that's it for Don't Ask, Don't Tell. I'm glad that that policy is now no more after 18 years. So um, congrats to that. So the next story I want to move on to is, speaking of what we're talking about intolerance and, you know, and things of that nature, I want to get to a story that I saw online on the Young Turks, and, you know, I want to bring it to you guys today about how some people are just intolerant. And we're going to talk about another story dealing with Pat Robertson in a minute, speaking of intolerance. But there was a man which we're going to call him an Internet troll because that's what he is, even though he was only 25 years old, by the name of Sean Duffy. And what what this young man did, um, well, he ain't a man. He's a little boy doing, you know, in the man's body as far as I'm concerned. He would contact, um, he would get on Facebook or he would get online um, and, and harass families that lost teenagers or loved ones, you know, um, lost loved ones due to suicide. And um, he would contact the families. He, he, he would harass them. He would get on Facebook and make comments. And one example of this is um, he contacted the family of a 14-year-old girl um, who pretty much killed herself. She, she laid on the railroad tracks and and allowed, a, you know, a train ran her over because she was being bullied so much at school. But you know what? I feel that you sh- you should know your child and know if your child, to me, nobody knows your child like you do. And for you to allow this to even get to this point as a parent, I'm, I'm questioning you, but I'm not going to even get on that right now because we're going to do a show eventually about bullying because I think these kids are going through stuff and the parents aren't even noticing the warning sign. You know, I hate to say that, but busy. you know what? Huh? They are. They're just too busy. Mm. Yeah. But we're going to get on that. We're going to get on that in a little bit. So he contacted the family of the 14-year-old, and he pretty much was taunting them, harassing them, and he got on Facebook saying that um, he made a comment saying, oh, I fell asleep on the tracks, LOL. So I guess he is now being, um, he's going to have to stay in jail. They 
found out who this who he was, he's going to be spending 18 weeks in jail. And but his family, the family of this this young guy, um, they say that he he shouldn't have to spend this time in jail. He sh- he shouldn't have a jail sentence because he quote unquote has Asperger disease. Uh, and he doesn't realize what he is doing. He he doesn't realize that it's wrong. Now he has Asperger disease. He an asshole. Better right. <laughs> yeah. Now, 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 come on now. Now, for you to actually be smart enough to get online and to contact these people, you know what you're doing. Exactly. People always want to make excuses for people. Always want to, you know, diagnose them with a retarded something. You know, he know exactly what the fuck he was doing. He even got on there and found them on Facebook or even called them or whatever the fuck he did. He's smart enough to do all that. So what the hell you mean? He got this damn disease. He got some damn common sense if he can do all that. Right. And then and it's, and, and I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna I got to say this. You know I normally like. The Young Turks, you know, but I'm gonna call them out on something. Um, Anna Kasparian, that she's one of the reporters on Young Turks, she kind of made a comment that kind of pissed me off. And you know me, I'm gonna keep it real. You know, it sparks some controversy. I don't care. She made a controversial, well, controversial remark somehow. Well, I'm not gonna say what he did was wrong, you know, but he shouldn't, you know, a jail sentence. It's just not. It's just too much. He's and then she was talking about. Well, you know, you have the freedom of speech, and you know, and, and should we we shouldn't have like governmental agencies like wasting their resources and cyber, you know, like cyber patrolling or what's going on on the you know the internet and stuff like that. And then this kind of pisses me off because people always want to talk about freedom of speech, freedom of speech, but when you're harassing people. And you're making them uncomfortable, and you're you're actually invading their space. I think that there there should be a line drawn there for you to say that you you would want somebody to go after those people if that was your family. See, people say she stuff like that to the, their family. She must got oh. the same damn disease he got. Because I mean, yeah, okay, the Facebook thing you can block somebody on there, and you can't really have somebody arrested for that. But what you can do is build a case of the Facebook harassment in conjunction with them contacting this family repeatedly, which then it starts to building a harassment case. I think 18 weeks ain't enough. They should lock him up in there for Exactly. A... Let them yes, make his ass with fines, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You know, but see, I mean, people just should be more sympathetic, you know, but people don't care about their stuff until it, it affects them. You know,
a much higher level of functioning than regular autism quintessentially has. And, yeah, the people that I – there's two people I know that have it, and they're a little different. They are different. And one of them, yeah, he says some kind of off-the-wall things, but he doesn't – none of them that I've known have ever done anything like that. Right. Okay, um, we have another caller just joined the line. I believe it's Brittany. Two nine four three one seven two nine. Two nine four. Brittany. Yes. Yeah, I is. know you had a couple things that you wanted to mention. I want to get you on here while we have you on here, which um, we have a couple more topics. We're gonna hopefully we can get to them, but if not, we'll just do another show on Saturday or Monday because I have a lot of stuff that I want to cover still, but. Um, we want to get to the main topic real quick, and if we have time, we'll just jump back to the other subjects that I want to get to tonight. But the topic tonight is, can parents ruin good teachers? That's the first question. And the other question is, in the title of the show, as you guys can see, is Parenting 101, beat that ass. Amen. So... So I, I need to know, first of all, Brittany, what do you feel about um, parents? Because we, we had a discussion about um, do you think that the reason why the education system is crumbling and good teachers <clears throat> are leaving the profession, because there's statistics out now saying that teachers are leaving the, the field after four years because the parents are just too hard to, to deal with because they want to always make excuses for their child. So do you feel that a lot of the the blame for this crumbling education system um, it stems from lack of parenting? Yes. I, well, and you can't blame it all on the parents because I think some of it has to do with the government, too. You have to realize right. when you take resources in some of the programs at a school in which some kids rely on or some kids need, it does make it difficult because now you have, um, since Bush had came out with that No Child Left Behind, it's like the statistics for kids and the status in which they want kids, but some kids learn at a slower rate than others. And I right. remember growing up in school, there was different programs that some may have learned faster or slower than others, but at the same time, there was programs um, in the schools that helped with those who maybe – something a little slower than which the other ones did. But now you have to realize with the cuts that the government is making in education, you find 30, you know, 25 to 30 kids in a classroom, and that's hard for one teacher. I mean, last year I was constantly visiting um, a school not too far from where I work at where um, I had some my younger cousins that I was caring for at the time were um, attending and I would just look in the classroom, and um, the oldest one at the time, she was in third grade, and I was talking with the teacher, had a pretty good rapport with the teacher, and, you know, she had always told me, hey, you can come in at any time, let me know. I mean, I would come in just to observe and see how the classroom is. She would have me grade papers, just different little things, because she would just tell me how, you know, she's the only one, and it was probably about 30 kids. And it's wow. just it's a lot for teachers to have to deal with. And not only that, but kids. Kids cannot right. learn in groups of 30. You have all these kids 
you know, trying to put inputs here or trying to do this or trying to do that, and it's hard to get something said in a classroom, or especially when you don't have the involvement of parents. But I do think that parents definitely play a part. You have to work with your child at home, and you also have to be on the same side as the teacher. In my right. case, my little cousin was lying. She would say she wasn't having homework while I was going up to the school trying to figure out, well, you telling me one thing, you telling the teacher something else. So where is this miscommunication and lack of lying coming in? But when kids know that their parents or their loved ones are serious about their education, that's when you know kids are going to sit down and do what's right. You have to take from them the things that they enjoy to, for the kids to realize the importance of an education. And us as parents now and just as loved ones or neighbors, we have to. It's, it's important that we instill that in kids now because if not, they, there's no way they're going to make it in society without a basic education. There's no way. None whatsoever. Now, Brittany, we will, now this, is, this is my thing, too. Do you think that a lot of the resources are being taken from the schools because we know that the government, you know, is cutting back the resources. But do you think the reason why that these schools are underfunded because a lot of the resources are being put into um, the schools to, to do the jobs that the parents should be doing? Like, you know, the parents are being involved, and that's taking resources because, first of all, these teachers are not here to be social workers. They're not here to be counselors. They got into the profession to educate. Now, when you're having these parents, teachers that are not being underpaid, they have to go to go to the students' houses. You know, the, you know these students, these teachers, and I mean, the school has to provide services that the parents should be doing, and they put in all these resources being allocated to train your child, home, you know, home training, basic home training skills and this, that, and the other. Do you think that those resources take out from the actual education system? And, you know, and, and that's why I was saying the parents are kind of to blame because if they were to do their job, we wouldn't have to to implement all these extra policies, these programs and stuff like that to um. to run the schools. I could definitely say so. I mean, just knowing um, I work at a hospital, and um, Mm -hmm. I know that part of um, we have a contract with IPS, and it's through our, um, well, I guess you could say social services, mental health, but they're pretty much social workers um, hired in through the hospital, but they work on the contract through IPS. So IPS has a um, contract here with the hospital. And they come in and work with those children who have ADHD or have some of those issues where they can't focus or if they have the issues going on at home. They come in and work with those students and try to come up with reasonable ways to get them to be involved in the classroom but also get what they need at home. And, And they are because when you have schools, who have to find funding or get funding from different um, outside resources from that. And and, and the school system is just like any other job or, you know, big company. You find a lot more now that are outsourcing to, like, um, Labor Ready or, you know, TIF agencies. Well, also schools are doing that, too. Instead of them hiring on somebody, they would rather contract maybe with the hospital and you'll get a starting hospital pay rather than maybe getting what you should be getting as a teacher or as someone else who's working underneath the umbrella at the school. So 
there's always in uh, making it, but it does. It does take from um, it does take from funding of things that could be used in the classroom um, because you are still having to allocate and resource these programs that are being used. So yes, mm-hmm. I definitely do think so. Now I do have a cousin who um, recently moved to Texas. And she was telling me how the school system there, um, if your child is not in school, I think after a week after school starts, they do find you $300 per child. Mm. And I, you know, and I sure enough agree with that. I really agree with that. Because you know what, like I was, we, me, me and you were discussing, I think if these, if I think if the government starts cracking down on these parents and they start uh, prosecuting them and finding them, I guarantee you that things will turn around a lot quicker. But, you know, the thing is, these parents are being held accountable, and that's why their kids can go to school. You know, they halfway come to school. When they come to school, they don't have any home training. You know, they're, they're, they're taken away from other people in the classroom. And you know what? It, 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 it creates a, a an environment where there's no learning, there's no, you know, excellence, there's, there's no achievement. So, you know, I, I believe that a lot of these parents, I think attendance should be held. You know, like your chap, she was coming up. Oh, no. You got your ass up out of bed and you went to school. I went to school every day. Mm-hmm. If you ain't, you, if you wasn't dying, you weren't on no, no deathbed, you're going to get up and go to school. Yeah. Well, I, I, and also she did tell me that uh, the way that the school system works there, if your child is not going to attend school, you definitely have to call in, and I think a lot of schools here are also doing that, where they want you to call in as the parent, saying that your kid's not going to be there. It has to be approved. Now, I don't know how far it should get to this point, but it has to be approved by the school. Um, and, however, if your child misses three days of school or is um, tardy, more than three days without no, the school being notified, again, they find the parent three hundred dollars. Wow. So they're very, they're very big on kids attending school. Very big on kids attending school. Yeah. Now, Deandra, I know you had a, uh, some comments. We discussed this too. What do you feel about as far as parental environment? I mean, not environment, parental involvement, and um, about how a lot of parents want to hold the teachers accountable, but they don't want to hold themselves as parents accountable. <laughs> you know, okay. the I'm going to keep real But she was going in the other day When I was talking to her about this So, because I'm happy That this was actually the topic of the night Because I have this friend You know, she likes to always Stop these excuses for her child Knowing he's a little demon And you want to send him off To school and let the teachers deal with what you should be dealing with at home. You know, yeah. he goes to school and he, he falls out on the floor and, and he throws these temper tantrums and he tells them he's not getting on the bus to go home. She, they call her and guess what she tells them? You, you can pick him up and put him on the bus. You have me in there. They should be able to pick him up. And put him on the bus because he have um, ADHD and he have an IUP, which I don't know what that is, but okay. that's what she said he had. 
And I'm thinking, wait a minute. They don't get paid to pick your damn child up and put him on no bus. <laughs> it wouldn't be me because they ain't giving me no extra money nowhere. Yeah, it, it, it's getting, it is getting different, difficult. Now, IEP is when a child is actually testing, tested, and they actually do have a um, learning disability, and it's called an IEP. And what happens is it kind of follows the child as they go throughout um, normally like elementary school. I don't now I don't know how long they last. But it's pretty much just saying that, yes, this child does have maybe ADHD or dys- dyslexia. So it'll follow with the child, and they would, it's something in place saying that, okay, this child should get um, an hour extra when taking the test. However, it is it that it may fit in. High school. I think it follows them off. Yeah, well, I think it does follow them through high school. I, I definitely do. And just from working in disability services a little bit when I was in college, um, I do know that um you know and and a lot of a lot of a lot of children normally get tested for it pretty young um but the thing that gets gets me is when parents use it and then they use it in a way for it to benefit them either they feel like oh my child is disabled but just because your child has a learning disability does not mean necessarily that your child is disabled Right. right, I'm happy you said that. I'm so happy you said that because it's exactly yeah. what you think. Because a lot of people think that, oh, just because your child has a learning dis- disability that your child is, is disabled, and that's not necessarily the truth. Your child can be disabled, but that don't mean that, you know, I mean, your child can have a learning disability, but that doesn't mean that they're not capable of learning. It just means and that I they think- may grasp something at a, at, at a longer rate, which is fine. And that's that's perfectly fine, um, but I definitely well, think that parents should stop labeling their crush. children. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, and I definitely think you should stop parents should stop labeling their children and looking for a way out and using it, a disability because when you label a child like that, that's what a child knows, and you mm-hmm. can't. That's the worst thing you can do to a child is label them as being disabled. That's the last thing you want to do. Mm. Can you give me some examples of what the uh, different things are that might be labeled as this IEP or something that you guys have referred to? Now, um, I know that um, ADHD is one. I do know that dyslexia is one. I'm not for sure um, what What all they can label it as. Me and Michael was having a discussion about this the other day, like, why is it like people that have use of autism or use of Asperger's disease, they can't get special treatment or they can't get certain services given to them? Well, because, I mean, for example, I know dyslexia. And I can't necessarily say. Um, I don't know if they've been now. I don't know. I do know as far as to get money-wise, Mm-hmm. It is something through Social Security. Now, as far as how it works in the school system, I cannot tell you that. But I do know with most school systems, the child has to be tested at the school. Mm-hmm. And normally once the, the child is tested through the school and it's um, approved, that's when the IEP is developed. Now, a child can have mm-hmm. autism, or some parents will be like, I think my child has ADHD. 
They can't do X, Y, and Z. However, they've never had their child tested. Now, for mm-hmm. autism and stuff like that, I cannot necessarily tell you how how it is. Probably well, usually because, autism um, is diagnosed before they get to school. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. For autism, you're normally diagnosed with it before you go to school. And I'm not for sure how exactly it plays into that role. Because a lot of children for that are definitely on a medication, a pretty restricted medication that um, they kind of deal with. But I cannot tell you how that works with autism. The one thing, now correct me if I'm wrong, dyslexia. That has to do with more of, uh, which, and maybe it's just because I'm not familiar with it, but isn't that like a problem reading, like a difficulty in reading with the deciphering the letters and stuff? Yeah, and sometimes um, reading is a big one. Um, not comprehending so much what you read also. Um, mm-hmm. You can read something and then you go back and ask the child, well, what is it? And them not understanding it, um, not really being able to piece together stuff. Um, okay. Um, also doing things backwards. You may find some who may have it in math who may work backwards when doing math problems. They may not, you know, as far as like, well, when I was growing up, it was called borrowing. Now they, they call it regrouping and for these kids. But also it's the way that they're being taught, and and it's like, for some kids, it's harder for them. So it's pretty much just piecing things together. Mm-hmm. It's more like how dyslexia is. I mean, I'm sitting here, and I understand that ADHD kids have behavioral issues sometimes. And mm-hmm. I can understand, you know, but I'm going to say dyslexia. Do you find that as from, obviously, you know more about it than I do, but do you think that that's really a behavioral issue? Dyslexia, no. Dyslexia, no. I think it's. I don't think. I definitely don't think it's a behavioral thing. I think it's just something, and that's something you can grow out of. Okay. And again, it goes back to being home. My aunt um, was had that same problem growing up with reading. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can she see where. Comprehend. Yeah, I can see where that's definitely a good thing for the school to know and to take that into consideration with extra assistance. And yes. so I just I wonder how much of the label like we were talking with the labels is like oh they have a behavioral issue. Okay. Is it a legitimate behavioral issue and if that's the case are they working with doctors or counselors or something to get these things under control because the teachers try and teach in there. Right. And and that's what you find. A lot, especially with, not to cut you off, especially with ADHD, what I've noticed, depending on the type of medication that your child has, because I know someone whose um, child, if she don't, if their medication is not given to them, they're constantly up and just up and up and up and up and up. But the doctors can prescribe and try and tell these parents the best way to give them, like the doctor trying to explain to her, Give it to her before she goes to bed. Give her her medication maybe about an hour before she goes to bed. That way she can find herself trying to wind down a little bit, give her something calm to do, and before you know it, she'll sleep. When she gets her medication, she sleeps very well. When she does not have her medication, she is up all day and all night. 
And when you forget as a parent to maybe give your child their medication or not on a pattern with your child's medication, it affects them in school. Either they're very tired in the morning because some of those medications are very heavily, heavily. Um, the effects of them is sleep. And you would just find these kids totally always tired. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's very important that when kids are on medication for things like ADHD that, you know, things are definitely followed um, very closely. But I have noticed if it's a serious problem, the doctor definitely is um, up on it and does try to, um, you know, meet with them and see how the medication is working with the child. Um mm-hmm. When we get a lot of kids that come through for, like, mental illness or, you know, ADHD and things like that, they do get a lot of follow-up appointments back with the doctor after, you know, every so often to see how the medication is working with them in the school setting. And they get an evaluation from the teacher to see how it's affecting them at home and at school. So, so again, it's going to fall back majority on the parents actually having to work with to find out what's going to work. Yes. It does. It really does. And you and as a like parent, like we've been talking about and, it before. Right. Yeah, a lot of a lot of parents don't want to take that initiative because they take too much time, or they don't even want to go and follow up with the teachers about their child's education in general. Let alone, you know, try to get your child diagnosed to see what's yes. the problem. Yeah. Do, don't they also use that as an excuse for some of their children though, or why they bad as hell? Because I, because some of that I just don't believe. You know, you say your child's on this, but your child is bad as hell. I do not care. You'd be like, oh, well, my child medication. No, your child is bad as hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you got to get as an excuse. I remember growing up when ADHD was first supposed to be becoming a big thing. And I knew kids okay. that were just, you know, clearly probably had. So now I'm like, okay, you know. We didn't, even though I knew these kids, and beyond a shadow of a doubt, they were hyperactive as hell. I'm sitting here going, they didn't act out. They didn't act like idiots. Yeah, they probably misbehaved some. But usually it seems like there was another issue, like the kid just wanted to be a little badass, it seemed like. I think it was called beat that ass. It was called beat that ass. Mm-hmm. I definitely think a lot of it does back, back, go back to the home. Um, and, and some of these parents are letting the child, the kids are running their household, so then they come to school, and if they're disrespectful to you at home, what on earth makes you think that they're going to be respectful <laughs> to a teacher? Actually, right. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Or there's no parental at home at all. Child. And, that, and that's taken away from somebody else's child because you, you're having to take exactly. out you, you have to take out time. You know, instruct you know to instruct to deal with this unruly child, which that's affecting somebody else's child that's that's there to learn. Just like listen, yeah. if you got thirty kids in the classroom, how would they gonna learn if you got little um Ryan over here acting a dang on food? It's a, it's it's difficult, and you have to realize it's not just that. Um, I have a friend that I went to college with who's a principal at a. IPS school now, and he was telling me another barrier that they're having now is if the kids are very, what they're picking up and if they're really understanding. Now the problem that they're running into is that they're getting a lot of Hispanic students into these school systems whose parents are coming over, and the kids 
at home, all you speak is Spanish. Then you come to school and you're, it's English. And it's like, how do they know if the child is adequately learning what they need to learn as material? And that's another barrier that's being brought up into some of these classrooms now. And it should be. Yes. And it, and it is because it's like, how do you know if the child is really learning what they need to learn? I mean, can they really understand what the teacher is saying? And why right. the hell are you over here and you don't know no English anyway? Well, that's mm-hmm. a whole other, that's a whole other topic in its own. We need the government to get it together. But when you're when you dealing with a child's education, something's got to be something's got to be said about mm-hmm. it. But I, I do know that that's a trouble, uh, a problem that they're facing now is how accurately are, are children, Hispanic children, learning in an English-speaking, you know, school system. And it is, it can be pretty difficult. Well, I just thank God I ain't a teacher of Lord Jesus. Yeah, they are not paid enough. They're, they're really not. not. And you know, my little cousin told me they're in third and fourth grade now. The fourth grader told me the one she was in Texas. She said that their um, like language books and math books are in English and in Spanish. Well, shut the front door. She said that it's in English and Spanish. Mhm. Well, well, I guess because it's Texas and it's like right over there by, you know. <laughs> but now I can see population. Now I can. I've noticed something in my line of work about a lot of the children of households from these people that are obviously Spanish or Mexican or whatever. That is usually the children are very fluent at being. Bilingual. I mean, they can you're speak right. both languages wonderfully. You're you're very right about that. Very very right. Work. I've taken a lot of nine one one calls. All of a sudden, there's a kid on the phone going, "I'll translate for you," and I'm going, "Really? <laughs> okay." <laughs> That's what I get coming to the hospital. Is why I have to make sure that the, if the child is not eighteen or over. They cannot translate for us, and that's just because, um, I mean, it's a hospital setting. But you find that all the, a lot of the children are very fluent and, and bilingual very well, understand English very well. It's the parents who have a hard time adapting, <laughs> a very yeah. hard time. Mm-hmm. Oh, Lord. Yeah. It's very difficult. Very difficult. Oh, I know. So I, how, so I wouldn't want to be in your guys' opinion. Like, how should like parents deal with these children? Is it about teaching them at home, or cause I think a lot of the times is we want we want to, the schools to teach our child social skills, but really your child is not going to school to. They're not the teachers are not there to teach your child social skills. They're there to educate your children in general. I think a lot of the, the home training and the skills that they need should be taught at home before they go to school. And that's why you have a lot of kids in general that go to school and they fall out acting fool, they act like monkeys, they act uncivilized because the parents aren't sitting these kids down and teaching them this is the way you act when you go to public, when you go in public, this is the way you talk to people, this is the way you go to school. 
you know, do you think that that's a lot of I know she sent her child to school just so she don't have to deal with him. That's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. You put that off on the teacher so you ain't got to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And that, that's probably true. That's probably I know it is true. because she was like, you know, I guess they was going to be going to school. They were going to be out for like two weeks coming in um, um, October. And I guess they were seeing, you know, the kids that, you know, kind of, you know, back in they like, home work and stuff, they, like, backed up. And to catch up, they can come for the two weeks that they're out. And she was like, well, of course I'm going to sign you up. I'm thinking, okay, well, that's getting rid of your child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just deal with them. And I did, I explained to her, you're going to have to take out your weekends. You're going to have to sit down. You're going to have to talk to your child and figure out where he is. Right. You know, your parents are all fall out of whack, honey. Mm-hmm. You know, this boy, I mean, I mean I'm, when I say he, I mean, this is a demon, and you can say medication, whatever, this is a demon. I don't care what nobody says. I don't know what kind of medication he on, but they need to always have him a dose hour on the hour because uh, this is a demon. And what I can say just from um, talking to and just knowing a few people who are in the um, education field, and I I know someone who's a Head Start teacher, and she was telling me that it's very difficult for them because you're getting a lot of kids that's coming in, and, and again, you have some that are kind of advanced and some who are not. But she told me after normally the second or third week, you can tell which parents are really working with their children at home. Because she said when kids are starting to um, identify, you know, just some of the letters and some of the different stuff that they were going through, she said it doesn't take you long to, you know, and you can identify to find out if the parents have been working with them at home. Mm-hmm. And she said the majority of the parents don't. Okay, I have a question. Now, you know, I'm not trying to be funny and I'm not trying to laugh at anyone. But what happens when parents don't know anything? Well, like they can't teach a child because they don't know it. So well, what happens is, as my friend was telling me, she said, um, what happens is, you know, you, you get the kids on a routine in the classroom and on, on something steady. And she said, say if they're out for spring break or Christmas break, she said, then they get home, and it's almost like these kids have forgot anything. And she said, you find wow. that a lot. Um, so is said, that constant routine, the repetitious routine that they get them used to, is that more conducive to getting them in a productive learning environment? Very much so. Okay, very, very I think much that's so. why a lot of schools have went to the year-round, quote-unquote, year-round school system. Yes, because believe it or not, just from working with kids and my own experience, I don't care what kids tell you, but kids love a routine. They like routine and they like structure. Kids like that, to know that, okay, I'm getting up at this time or to know, okay, this is how it works in the morning. Kids like structure. When you give two kids too many options, that's when you start noticing that the kids are running the household or the the child is taking over that. 
a friend mm-hmm. of my, my friend that was um, that is a uh, Head Start teacher was telling me that a lot more schools, especially around the Head Start thing, they're um, grasping to a new um, certification where they're trying to go to a more hands-on type thing so they can try to teach the child a little bit of independence before. So they're trying to go through a better uh, and a different kind of accreditation. Where it's more home, um, more I don't want to say more self-taught, but it's more like the kids doing little things and kind of making choices. Like, do you want apples or french fries? Or giving kids more of like a choice sometimes. And I, I think it's a good thing, but at the same time, like I told her, I said, I don't know, because you don't want to give them too many choices, but then, no. you, you know. Do you think that those choice opportunities are better left maybe to, say, the older school kids? Um, Thinking in terms of, like, uh, sixth grade on up. Yeah. Um. I, you know what? If you was to ask me now, honestly, I would just say I don't even know if I don't know if I would want to be into a thing where kids are getting choices. I would be more if I was a teacher. I would say this is it, and this is how it's going to be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I would set to one one standard, but because I don't know so much about you know giving them too many options. Because when you get that, you you get more problems that are created when yeah. when I mean, everybody get these options. Yeah. Personally, I could see both sides to that. I could see it being a good thing for some of the older students, but yeah. on the same token, I can see the other side of it too. Of no, it's going to be easier to track the results of what you're doing if you try one method and stick to one at a time. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So, so Beyond, what do you think about giving the students choices? Do you think children should have choices? <laughs> no. You either don't do it or you ain't. Hey, you better do it. I ain't giving you no choice. This is what I said, go. And that's what, how it's going to be. <laughs> but what was you saying the other day about when we was discussing this, when you were talking about how a lot of parents, they kind of create these demons or they create these problems. They do because they, they, they don't take away from the kids. They baby them. You know, because, like, she spoke to Woods him today, and it, it actually pissed me off because, you know, he was just being he was being his normal self, bad as hell. And, you mm. know, you put the fear in him over the phone, but then when you actually get, when you face-to-face with him, none of this you say you do. Mhm. So of course he's gonna act out like that because you always think you're gonna do it, you're gonna whoop him, but you never do it. So he's right. never taking you seriously of what you say, so that's why he acts he acts. Yeah. Because he's not just being bad with me, but he's telling he's being bad with me too, and you're the mother. You don't even have control over your own child. That doesn't even look good as a mother. Yeah, you're right. And I call him a wild animal because that's school. exactly how he acts. Right, and you expect him to go to school and um, act any different. Right, you send him off to these people, 
and nobody knowing nothing. Like you always say he has these disabilities, but does the school know that he's diagnosed with all this? You know, you put that you tell the school that, but do they have paperwork in front of them saying this is what your child diagnosed with? I don't think so. But wow. that's her, and she's sitting in my school. You can't even tell parents, you can't even tell a parent, young parent like that, nothing, if she don't know nothing. Right. So what can you right. expect? You know, right. she needs to be sitting in classrooms right beside him. <laughs> mm. And you said this girl, she, you, nah, I ain't gonna put nobody's business. It's like sad that. to say that, you know, she put her own business out there, but, you know, I ain't seen no names or nothing, but. When you tell what? your child, he's he's like a home kindergarten work. When you tell your child, mama can't even show you how to do this, that's not good, honey. That's sad. Because now your kids are growing. You need to be taking you for courses, too. You're right. Like, like I'm, strong, I'm a strong believer, ignorance begets um, ignorance. If you don't know anybody, you can't do anybody, and you can't teach your child. But you know That's what? True. I can. You can use that for no excuse because if you knew, know that you don't know, and you want your child to do better, you will be trying to get the resources necessary to get your child educated. Even exactly. though you know, like you should be, you should, you should be right along with them trying to get educated. But if you know that you you can't do that, at least reach out to some people that can do something for your child. It's, it's I don't crazy. know. What do I know? <laughs> it's just crazy. That's why I say these young parents, boy, they just get knocked up and pushing them out, and they don't know. A, they don't know a damn thing. Honey, the only thing they know how to do is get knocked up and go get some government assistance. That's the only thing they can, they know how to do. Your child bring home the Bernstein bears. You can't even read the damn book to them. What? <laughs> So we gotta, you gotta, we gotta sit here and listen to the tape and read along with the book. Really? really? Mm. I'm just like, you know, I am over these young parents pushing these kids out and can't teach them a damn thing. Mm. I'm thinking, how the hell, how you name your child if you don't know how to spell, read, or write? What, how, where you get a name from? I mean, what? How you, is that name spelled right? Mm, probably not. You know, and of course you're going to get, and see, I'm not even trying to, like, bag somebody, but of course you're going to give him your last name because that's what you know how to spell. <laughs> that's them young parents, I tell you, boy, they... <laughs> It's time for discipline back in the schools. It's time for discipline back in the homes. And, you know, and I'm not and I'm not promoting child abuse, but you know what? I don't think that a good spanking has ever hurt anybody. Well, not to mention well, that a structure and a disciplined routine is by no means child abuse. You know how right. we all keep it real around here. Either you whoop their ass or they're going to whoop your ass. Yeah, you're right. So which one you want? 
Mm-hmm. So I can sit at home on my black ass and collect a check for my retarded disability child. Mm-hmm. They do it all the time. Mm-hmm. I see it all the time. Yeah, you're right. And then you wonder why your child can't even pass a test to get out of high school and they just getting a certificate. And you sitting at home on your black ass, ain't doing nothing, collecting a check game month, and you mean tell me you can't help your child, you can't take 10 minutes out of your schedule, and you ain't doing nothing. Yeah, and you can't help your child with, with his work. No, I, these these young parents are killing me. Seriously. Well, we know you. My guy can get fuck on and everything, and y'all just pushing them out and forgetting that, uh, sweetie. You're a parent now. You're not your child's friend. Y'all ain't cool, homegirls, homeboys. Uh. Uh-uh. I'm gonna need you to take your parenting skills a little seriously. But do you think that, that that's a new thing that's just been happening with this generation? Because these, these parents that are coming up now, they're kids themselves. They don't have to be no parents. They, they can't even wash their own ass bare. It's, it's getting worse, but I think it always started back with their parents, too, because shit, your mother couldn't have been a parent either if you ain't one. Yeah, you it's, right. it, it's, it's somewhere up and through there. It's, it, I mean, that's what don't fall far from the tree. It's somewhere up in there. Yeah. But I tell you what, it wouldn't be, couldn't be me, wouldn't be me, because uh-uh, ain't no child of mine going to be disobedient. You know, I'm not saying the child ain't going to, you know, try you, because all kids going to try you, but no, you wouldn't try me like that. Mm-mm. No. And then the other thing is, like, you know, these parents want to be so quick to go off on the teachers, but... You always want to believe your child over what, you know what I'm saying? Like, you always want to believe your child, like your child is always telling the truth about something. Right. You know he's a little liar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Don't get me started on that one. No, he's a little liar. I said, what would the you get out of lying on a child? Right. You know your child doesn't mean anybody else. You push it out. You raise it. You know this demon you raise. You know this demon you raised. Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, this is a demon. Your demon you raised it. It's you. It came out of your vagina, your kitty cat, whatever you want It's quick, whatever you want to call it. It came out of your monkey. <laughs> How are we doing on time, Lincoln? Um, It's recording still. I just wanted to get this uh Get some of this stuff because we don't have to do another show. Cause that's a whole lot of stuff that I still need to touch on. I just want to get on this this stuff. There's a couple of little light things that I want to get after. What we're gonna do entertainment and finish these stories up. I think I'm gonna probably do it Monday. I don't know what everybody's Saturday looks like, but I'm probably just do it on Monday. Um, I don't know. Should we do? Should I talk about the Pat Robertson thing real quick? Yeah, let's hear it for a while. Okay. Pat Robertson told a man 
Now, this is the same man that's supposed to be about family values. He's against gays and all this stuff. He told a man on his show, because I guess a person was writing in, you know, on behalf of their friend saying that that she had a a friend of hers that uh, was married to a wife that has Alzheimer's disease. And he was saying how over time, she, she like, you know, because you know it's a progressive disease. It gets worse as, you know, it progresses. And she's like, he does, the woman doesn't even recognize him anymore and this, that, and the other. And he, she was just talking about how he's just kind of bitter at God because he just doesn't understand what's going on. And the woman was asking on behalf, on his behalf, like, what should he do? Like, should he you know, stay with her, stick it out, because he's just really confused because he loves his wife, but she doesn't even recognize him anymore. And Pat Robertson was talking about, well, you know, I mean, he's starting to date other women on the side and stuff like that. So Pat Robertson, you know, with him being the quote-unquote family values man, you know, he was just he pretty much told the man, oh, oh yeah, it's okay. Go ahead and divorce your wife. Huh? She don't know who you are anyway. But it, But the last time I checked, Aren't the wedding vows is for sickness through hell, to death through you part? But you're going to tell him to di- divorce his wife because she's sick and she don't know who he is no more and, and her health is fading? Wow. <laughs> really? Oh, Lord. Every day we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.